But we bless him, we find, because Paul tells us, he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. We bless God because he has already blessed us. He's blessed us in every spiritual blessing. That sounds like a lot, doesn't it? Think of everything that you can imagine heaven to be. All the blessings of God that comes to us through Jesus Christ. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast, and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. Ephesians chapter 1 verses 3 through 14. Simply titled, In Christ. The title comes from the passage itself as we find that phrase repeated identical to that or in variations throughout. It constitutes of what is believed by many as the longest verse in Scripture. The translators of the New King James have disagreed with that because here in my Bible I have three sentences in the structure. In reality, there's a variation of three somewhat themes as we focus on God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Now, when you wrap the triunity of the Godhead all together, it is one theme. Uh, According to Webster, a sentence is a number of words constituting a complete statement. And we will find throughout our study today as we go through these verses that there's a catalyst. It's Christ, in Christ, in Him, in the Beloved in whom, uh, in Christ Jesus. It's, it's phrased many different ways, but everything keeps tying back to this single figure of Christ Jesus. It is a rich passage of Scripture, just for trivia purposes only. In the New King James, the longest verse that has the distinction of being the longest verse in Scripture is found in Second Chronicles 5, verses 11 through 14. It can contains 172 words. The longest single verse of Scripture, this is all New King James, every translation could be a little varied, so you might have a word here or there, is Esther chapter 8, verse 9, 83 words. Now, I was counting this morning the number of words that we have here, and I have to tell you, I may have lost count. There was a point to where it's like, did I say seven or six? And anyways, I came up with, I didn't count it twice, but I came up with 268 words, and I could be off one way or the other, pretty close. But it is believed by many of the Bible commentators that this is one complete thought. The pulpit commentary says of this passage, 
The sentence which begins in the third verse runs on continuously to the 14th, marked all the way by many rich and happy turns of expression. The apostle pours forth his thoughts with a splendid exuberance which dazzles the common readers, but is kindling to the congenial minds. The whole passage is a magnificent anthem in which the idea suggests either by a law of power of association, it takes up the spirit of the psalmist saying, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Dr. Harold Wilmington is one of the earlier Bible teachers that I cut my teeth on, and I, I went through the Bible with Harold Wilmington. He teaches, or used to, with Liberty University. Remember Jerry Falwell and the school that one of our worship leaders, Michael Brennan, is a music teacher at Liberty now. But Harold Wilmington, had, uh, he developed what is called his handbook through the Bible. He had taught through that, and I've listened to the tape several times and went through the Bible with Harold Wilmington a few times. And he said this about this passage. Paul praises the work of all three members of the Godhead, bringing about our salvation, verses 3 through 14. This is one of the Bible's clearest teaching on the Trinity. And then he broke it down this way. Verses 1 through 6, we are chosen by God in the past. Verses 7 through 12, redeemed by the Son in the present. And verses 13 and 14, sealed by the Spirit forever. So this passage has great respect for many and and for myself. I remember uh, this is actually the first message that I taught here at Calvary Chapel Lake Villa. Pastor Mike was the pastor. His dad had come down with some type of, uh, it might have been prostate cancer, but he didn't have long to live. And so Mike went to California. And at that time, myself, John Marquardt, Horger Bucks, kind of held down the ship as far as teaching was concerned during those days. And it was a Wednesday night. And I remember three things about that Wednesday night. One, I sat sitting on a stool. It was my custom back then. I taught this passage, verses 3 through 14, and Miss Barb Albert introduced herself to me as Barb Albert. I'm a Wednesday-only person. Now, she was up here leading worship this morning, so she got past the Wednesday-only. That's the only three things I remember about that evening. I'm glad, Barb, that you're not Wednesday-only, and Ken, I'm glad that you've tagged along over the years with your wife. I go back even to 1993 when Dr. David Hawking, who's coming out to do a conference for us, he gave us an assignment in the School of Ministry, and he said a one-page paper on Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14, the longest sentence in the Bible. So that was the first time I really dived into this passage. And one thing that really jumped out at me at that time was the Greek preposition in. It's a, in the Greek, it's an E-N. For us, it's I-N. And it's just what it is. You're in something. But we find that we have this clear teaching of being in Christ Jesus, in Him, in the Beloved. It's repeated so many times that we have this, what I had deemed a catalyst that we have, that all that we have, all that these blessings that we have from God. It's because of Jesus Christ. It's through Jesus Christ. It's in Christ Jesus, our Lord. We begin, though, with a direct reference in verse 3 to God the Father. As in verse 3, it says, God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
Well, let's just read verses 3 through 6, and we'll, I'll begin to make commentary on that. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to the adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he has made us accepted in the beloved. So God only mentioned, as far as nouns are concerned, as God and Father at the beginning of this passage, but we find that there's many references to him in the passage with pronouns such as he, him, his, himself, all used to describe the work of God in our lives. That We notice first and foremost, though, that we are to bless God. Bless be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Our duty as believers in Jesus Christ is to bless God. It, it means that we are to speak well of, we're to give thanks, we're to invoke praise upon our Lord. And so often when we come together in fellowship, we're asking God, or even as individuals, God bless us. And He has, and we'll see that in a moment. He has blessed us, but we are to bless God. How do we bless God? We bless God through our worship. We bless God through our lives. We bless God through our faith that we have in Him. Uh, Psalmist David wrote blessings to our Lord throughout the Psalms. I'm going to read a few of these Psalms to you. In Psalm 28.6, he said, Blessed be the Lord, because He has heard the voice of my supplications. In Psalm 41.13, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting, amen and amen. Amen, that's good for a double amen, he says. Psalm 66, 20, Blessed be God, who has not turned away my prayer, nor his mercy from me. In Psalm 68, 19, Blessed be the Lord, who daily loads us with benefits, the God of our salvation, Selah. Now, I could have read many more Psalms of blessing, but the idea is, as believers in Jesus Christ, we are to bless God. We are to invoke blessings upon our Lord. We're to worship Him. We're to lift up our voices in praise. And it's not just when we're singing. It's when we're talking. It's when we're in and about life. It's when we're working, when we're at play. We, as believers, are to bless God. But we bless Him, we find, because Paul tells us, He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. We bless God because He has already blessed us. He's blessed us in every spiritual blessing. That sounds like a lot, doesn't it? It's like everything you could possibly think of, God has already blessed you. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Think of everything that you can imagine heaven to be all the blessings of God that comes to us through Jesus Christ. The blessing that came to Abraham back in Genesis chapter 12, verses 2 and 3, he said to Abraham, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Why should we stand with Israel? Because God made a promise to Abraham that he would not only bless him, that he would make his, his name great, but that he would be a blessing. And the in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed, that 
in you. That is Jesus Christ is speaking about the coming Messiah for him. And for us, it's looking back to Jesus Christ, a son of Abraham who came and gave his life on the cross and rose from the grave. Paul, using that same portion of Scripture in Galatians 3, 8, and 9, he says, And the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, In you all the nations shall be blessed. So then you who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. See, as a church, we don't disconnect ourselves from Father Abraham, who had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. I hung around the children's ministry enough to know that line. But we don't disconnect ourselves. And in the world today, in the church today, many churches are trying to disassociate themselves from the nation of Israel. They hear the headlines that Israel is being attacked, and some are saying, good, they deserve it. But God says, I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. And that promise is still to this day. And then we discover that we are part of that promise, that we have been grafted into the vine, as Scripture tells us, that He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And it's in Christ, an expression that's used here in this passage, as I said earlier, It's either in Christ or in Christ Jesus, and we add the pronoun him. We find that it's used five more times, four more times in this passage, five more times in the epistle of Ephesians. And then if we want to add phrases like in the beloved, in whom, in the Lord Jesus, in Jesus, in the Lord, all in this passage that our blessing, it it keeps hinging on Jesus Christ. It keeps hinging on Jesus Christ. It is in Christ, in Christ Jesus, in the Lord Jesus, in him in the beloved, that we have this blessing that has been bestowed upon us. The Bible teaches us that we are either in Adam or we are in Christ. In this world, there's two options that we have. We are either in Adam, and 1 Corinthians 15, 22 tells us, for as in Adam, all die. So you are either in Adam, which is death, or... We are in Christ, and again, 1 Corinthians 15, 22, For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. So in Adam there is death, in Christ there is life. Where are you this morning? Are you still in Adam? Meaning that you are part of the fall, that as it says in Romans five fourteen, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even to those who had not sinned according to the likeness of, of the transgression of Adam, who is the type of him to come. 1 Corinthians 15.45, the first man Adam became a living being, the last Adam, that means Jesus Christ, the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. In Adam, death. In Christ, there is life. And we can read through this marvelous passage, and we can underline every preposition in in this passage, in Christ, in Him, in the Beloved, in the Lord Jesus. We can underline them all, but if you don't have Jesus Christ, then you are still in Adam, and you are still in your sin, and that sin leads to death. But if you have Christ Jesus, you are in Christ, and He is the life-giving Spirit of whom we place our hope. We bless Him not only because He has given us every spiritual blessing, but Paul lifts out the spiritual blessings here for us. In verse 4, he tells us that God has chose us 
just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. That we have been chosen is known as election. And in this verse, we find that we have been chosen before the foundations of the world. We've been chosen in Christ. And we have been chosen to be holy and without blame before God in love. That we have been chosen. That we are the elect of God. First Peter 1, 2, he says, To the elect, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in sanctification of the Spirit, for the obedience of the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace be multiplied. That we are the elect is according to the foreknowledge of God. Now we think so often that, how could God love me? And sometimes I wonder, how could that be? But it's been according to the foreknowledge of God. God loves us. Because before the foundations of the world, think about this. You know, our world is teaching billions of years, and whether we go back billions of years, which I don't agree with, or we go with young earth and the creation that the Bible teaches, if it is billions of years, then according to the Word of God, before the foundation of the earth, God has chosen you. That God had you in mind, even before this world was. The idea that you were in God's thoughts has messed up and sometimes we feel before the Lord, we were in God's thoughts. I don't understand that. I can't fathom that in my own thoughts, but I'm not God. All I need to do is believe what the Scripture says of God, that He has chosen me as He's chosen you before the foundation of the world. But He has chosen us to be holy and without blame before Him. We've been chosen for a purpose, to live for Christ in this world. God has also predestined us, verse 5, having predestined us to the adoption of the sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. It was by God's pleasure. Have you ever had somebody say that? You come up and say, thank you, and it's it's my pleasure. I enjoyed doing that for you. And we say thank you to God, and he says, my pleasure. I enjoyed sending my son to give his life upon the cross that you could become part of the family. Now, there's a little difference here between being chosen and predestined. Although it seems very much the same, there's a difference in outcome in these two verses. We've been chosen unto salvation, but we've been predestined unto adoption. Salvation, to be saved. Think about saving someone from harm. You know, you can be that lifesaver. You can step in and save someone from certain death. Now, that person would be indebted to you, I would assume. But it doesn't necessarily mean that that person becomes part of your family. You might get to the point where you say, you know what, buddy, I know I saved you, but you can move out anytime. You know, I didn't invite you into my home after I saved you. You know, if it's family, it's family. But if it's not family, then there's no commitment beyond the salvation, but not with God. He not only saved us, but he said, welcome to the family. Welcome to my family. We have been adopted as sons, as daughters through Jesus Christ. That we have been predestined to adoption. Galatians 3.26 says, For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. God has also accepted us, verse 6, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. See that catalyst, that trigger? It keeps going back to Christ. 
Christ is the method. And we have in our world today people teaching that, you know, there's many ways to God that Jesus isn't the only way. That's what they'll teach, even in the church today, and especially the part of the church that's tagged the emergent church. They're beginning to say that there's not one way to heaven. There's many ways to God. Christ is one of those ways. But when I read my Bible, all I see is that Christ is the way. He is the path that we must take to God the Father. If anyone comes by any other means, they will not be saved. That we have been accepted in the beloved, but it's by the grace of God. It says, to the praise of the glory of His grace. Remember, we closed last week looking at that word grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. That it's by His grace we have been accepted, but the grace isn't finished yet in verse 7. And we kind of move into... Uh, in Christ we have redemption, I titled this portion, and I want to read verses 7 through 10 right now. But it says, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace, which He made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of His will according to the good pleasure which He purposed in Himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, which both are in heaven and which are in earth in him. You know, I love that preposition in this whole passage because it keeps tying us back to Jesus Christ. And I just want to give people Jesus. You know, I write a lot. Writing daily devotionals, I've written well over a third of the Bible at this point. I'm always writing, and a lot of times I write... I will go back in and reread some of the things I need to reread, quite a bit of the things I write. I need to read them over and over again just to work on my grammar. But there's one thing that I'm always looking for besides my grammar and the mistakes that I make. A lot of times I'll write and not use the name of Jesus. And I'll say Christ, which represents Jesus. We know that. We understand that. But in our world today, you can say God and people don't have a big deal about using the name of God because they will say, well, I don't even know what God you're talking about. You know, there might be a God out there. There's no specific title or name to it. And even Christ, Christ is simply a title. It's not Jesus's name. In the uh, Hebrew, it would be Messiah. So we would say Jesus Messiah. In the Greek, it's Jesus Christ. But when you use the name of Jesus, and oftentimes I'll delete the Christ and put Jesus in, or I'll put Christ Jesus, or I'll put Jesus Christ, because I want people to know it's in Jesus Christ, in whom I worship, that we have redemption through Jesus Christ. Church, we have so much of the blessings of God being bestowed upon us in this passage. We have reason to bless God today. We have reason to sing praise to Him. What a blessed outpouring from God. His grace has been provided in a way to redeem us back to Himself. He has chosen us. He has predestined us. He has accepted us. In Christ Jesus, we have been redeemed and forgiven. By God's grace, we have been adopted into the family of God. We have become one in Christ Jesus our Lord. And finally, we have been indwelt by the Holy Spirit of promise. We have been sealed with the Spirit who is our guarantee of our inheritance until we stand with the Lord and see Him 
face to face. What a mighty God we serve. And I want to close by asking this question. Are you today still in Adam? Are you today in Christ? What camp are you in? In Adam, there's death. In Christ, there is life ever after. Happily ever after. Storybook ending. Well, the story, it's his story. And the book is the Bible. And I'll stand upon what the Lord has written of himself. I may not understand every area of my election or my predestination, my acceptance, but all I know is that I've asked Christ to be the Savior of my life. And in Christ, all the blessings that we read about today in this passage has been afforded to us if you are in Christ. Father, thank you so much for this opportunity to worship you. In your word, Lord, we have been blessed by the passage from Ephesians. And I pray, Lord, now, if there are those who are still in Adam and they would like to give their heart to you this morning, that you'd work in their lives, even now, as we sing, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today. (laughs) 